This morning we will continue with our sermon series, The Six Habits to Grow Your Faith. And if you're new here for the very first time, welcome. And if you're joining us online as well, welcome to you as well. If you haven't been following our sermon series, I want to encourage you to uh, go to the Werribee Baptist the website and all these links here. You can go back and watch the last two Sundays kicking off our series so that you can... Uh, uh, ensure that you follow our house series together. My name is Inoke, one of the uh, pastoral team here, and I will be taking us through in the third habit of our six habits, the habit of prayer. Yes, it is boring, and you're right. <laughs> prayer is the easiest thing any Christian will do. If you can talk, you can pray. Even when you not talk, uh, if you're not able to talk, you can still pray. You got that right too. But if you can talk and you can't pray, I don't think that is right. So habit is something that we develop in, into our lives that seems to be coming from somewhere. Habits can come from birth. Uh, we claim that we are born with, uh, with such a habit. It's genetic or perhaps God-given. We hear people say, I was born like that. It could be that it comes from the environment, the culture in which we grow, upbringing at home, uh, the, the, the places where we grew up can impact the habit that we develop and live through. Also by influence, uh, also by a felt needs, you know, whether it's uh, the economy, whether it's the, uh, uh, our health, whether it's poverty or whatever it is. You know, I co-regulated the pool. It's not because it's, it's, it's fun and, and, and great, but it's good for me. So we have habits that build based on felt needs. Also, through in being influenced, you know, influenced by people in our lives that are important, and they tend to be influencing us, even circumstances that we go through in life. And also, habit can be something that is taught by people in school and, um, you know, even by reading stuff that we are taught through it, we tend, we tend to develop those habits as well. And our lives are often shaped by these uh, sources that we come to know. So when we come to reading the scripture, when we attend church, when we come to pray and when we serve and some of those key habits that we are focusing on, you know, turning up the church, it seems like May we may not aware that some of these things that we're doing impact by some of those influences in our lives, which is a good thing. I grew up in a Christian home and learned prayer early on in my household. And I'm sure that many of us here have done that as well. But then we grow up and then we move out of home. We ended up in university and we are taught that prayer and church and God is not true. You know, we uh, come across a, a tragic event in life where we lost a loved one. Then something changed in our lives. You know, we are taught um, uh, by something that influenced our life. We read books and it changed our lives to the point that we start failing to attend church. We attend church, but it's, we feel disconnected. But also we pray, but God seems distant. And if you are sincere, honest, and if you are sincere and honest, when you look deeply in the heart and your life right now, what influences your prayer life? How much do you believe in 
praying. Do you pray? Is God answer prayer? Do you seriously pray? I want you to think for a moment. Where, is, where are you in your prayer life right at this moment? If you can excuse me, this is a lie detector. I'm just going to press the button. I'm just going to go through. And, and what it does is seem to be scanning. You'll be surprised. Because my daughter says it's kind of very funny data. All different stages of where we are in prayer. So for those who are online, so it doesn't detect. So you are safe. So you are safe that you're not part of this. Prayer matters if it comes from the right source. Habit is organic. Habit is natural. Habit is influential. Habit is, is, um, is, 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 um, is environmental. Habit is a choice. We choose our habit. You know, I have a habit of choosing to eat good food. And this is why I look like this. <laughs> I like it. See, in my culture, skinny is sick. Big is beautiful. <laughs> Just love it. I better be careful because last time I talked about my culture, the time is only a suggestion. Pastor Justin always running late to our, to our team meetings. So I better be very careful what I say about culture because people running late when they come to see me. So skinny is sick. <laughs> Big is beautiful. Please do not take that advice. It's only for the Tongan people. All right? Please don't take that advice. The habit of prayer is about more than surviving a day. The habit of prayer is about building a rich life in and with God. And, it's, and there is a sense in which you are your habits. You are those things that you believe in and do repeatedly. A habit is an automated behavior uh, that we repeat over and over again in the same context, in the same environment, and that run deeply in our subconscious mind. If you change your habit, then you can change your life. Because God loves enough to invite us into a lifestyle of life-changing habits. There are patterns of thinking. There, there are patterns of doing and a pattern of being. And collectively, when these things are um, coming together, they built into our lives as automated behaviors, they amount to spiritual growth and spiritual vitality. And prayer is one of those habits. It may be that you are a prayer warrior, that you have been consistently, boldly, strongly, and, 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 and have a very consistent prayer life. Wonderful. Some of you may be struggling with the content and the form and, 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 and the routine of prayer. And maybe others who are kind of just too early uh, on in walking with the Lord and a new Christian or still young and wanting to explore about things like prayer in your faith. Um, this, this sermon here is aimed at those who want to develop a better prayer life. According to my little lie detector, it's picked up 99.9% in this room that are falling into that category. Maybe someone, I'm still not sure what that 0.1%, who it is in here that doesn't need this sermon. 
Maybe watch out, maybe in the next two minutes someone walked out their door. It could be that point one percent. At almost its pace on its basic level, to pray means to entreat or implore to make an earnest request. And I think it's important to pause at that moment because you and I know that prayer is universal. Different religion pray. And it's important to acknowledge that. But we need to come back and remember that our foundation of prayer is really through the Bible and it's based on the teaching and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we turn to the teaching of Jesus on prayer, we want to look at the priority that he put on first. It seems like that he seemed to be extended the scope of prayer and yet still make it simple. But before we unpack the teaching of Jesus, we want to look at the priority he put on prayer. It seems that there is a, there is a pattern that we read, a pattern of prayer that that we find in, in Jesus' um, ministry. And notice how prayer, um, probably going through the next few, uh, sorry, it was often and, uh, and early. And notice when you read the scripture that he woke up at early in the morning, he would tour the desolate place and he prayed. And a number of times through the scripture, this is just a snapshot of his life that he made a regular habit to go and pray. So when the disciple asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. And it seems that he taught the disciples well enough that that pattern of life were built into their life, that they continue to do that. All this with one accord, we're devoting themselves to prayer together. And they prayed, and they devoted themselves once again. You're familiar with those verses that we've heard in the last two Sundays. They devoted, and prayer was a huge part of, of that. And the list goes on. The church pray, and as we've been singing, miracles happen. Now, many of us know that, and we are quite familiar with that. There is nothing new. But the point is this, that when that the prayer was not just an occasional resources um, for the time of need, it was an ongoing pattern in the life of Jesus in the early church. Likewise, when we build a habit of prayer like that of Jesus and the disciples, the big idea that we all need to seem to understand is this, that moments of prayer should be refreshing. And the pattern of prayer, whatever it is, is meant to be life-changing. So when you don't see changes in your life and, and your prayer is, seems stagnated and boring and it's not refreshing to your soul, maybe, maybe you don't have the right attitude, the right intention to pray and prayer. But if prayer brings vitality and life-changing, then why aren't we praying more consistently? if not pray at all? Have you been a part of the we, Jesus, disciple, community that pray together? Now, before we understand it, it's worth noting Jesus practiced the way, the, the way he led himself to prayer. So when the disciple asked him to teach them to pray, he responded by stating the Lord's Prayer. And if you think about the Lord's Prayer that we're all quite familiar with, Think about it. It seems that there are two things that seem to be highlighting from here. Very familiar. 
it seems like that the very first thing that we notice here, that this is a summary. The question was, teach us how to pray. And when you think about it, the content of this prayer here, it seems like it is the summary of all that Jesus prayed in his years of ministry, even the things that we don't account for in the Bible. You know, every time he prays, he addresses God the Father. We know that. We see that early on in the Lord's Prayer, he addressed first by addressing God, our Father, in heaven. And then he, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, he told them to stay awake and pray so that they will not be led into temptation. Where do we find that? In the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And of course, when he prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. We find that place. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. There is something about interceding and relating to others. At Gethsemane, he said, let your will be done and not my will. And he started off that. When he asked the Lord to pass on that cup, in that moment at Gethsemane, he was able to request, to give that petition. And all of this about asking for God, asking to God for our daily bread. But also, it's sum up, it's a summary of why and the how and the what that we should be praying for. When we pray, we should always acknowledge God first. You know, who he is. We are told to seek his possession by petition. That's something we ought to continue to do. Forgiveness is something that we share with one another. So when you break down the Lord's Prayer, notice there are two things here. Prayer is driven from this one short paragraph. And not from a diary, not from a book. It's not from a, you know, not a course that you have to do. It's a simple short paragraph. Depending on what the translation, 64 words, I think. Did you know the average words a single person here on earth could say in a day? Any guess? 7,000. And some even say more. Just like my wife. <laughs> She's very forgiving. Not to say that every wife do that, but 7,000 words. How much do we give God each day? The language, the other thing is the language is very simple. There's no jargon. There's no academic or theological terms here. Prayer is a simple conversation with God, but often we complicate prayer to the point that we fear of praying in front of people because we might not say the right words, because we don't know what to ask for, because prayer is only for pastors and elders and for those who have been here 54 years. I grew up in a household when my father always prayed. I get up in the morning, 6 o'clock, household of seven children, and he will always pray, and then for me, being a young kid at the time, I get to keep sleeping, and I always get trouble for that. But at the end, we will always recite, if not sing, the Lord's Prayer. But it was always there, they pray. Well, fast forward, I had a family, and we, uh, I thought I'd start to change that. No, I don't have to pray. My whole family can pray, even our children. 
And it happened to be this one night when you start doing that. My parents were also there, my mom and dad. They loved the fact that we pray as a family. So we all went around, and then he come to the, uh, our youngest child. At the time, she was about six or seven, and who, you know who that is. She prayed and named all the families and relatives around the world. Then she come to her friends' school and friends' at church. Uh, we all look open our eyes. It's been, I think it was 20 minutes, half an hour. She's still praying. And then we thought it's end. And our rapids, we had three or four rapids at the time. And Fatai keep praying and keep praying. We thought, we, should we interrupt it? But she keep on praying and keep on praying. <laughs> Never stopped. The point is this, that everything the Bible teaches and say about prayer is packed into this one simple paragraph so that anyone can pray. That is simple. The question is, why are we not praying enough? Well, the purpose of this series, as I said earlier, and is to build us happy that accrue spiritual growth and spiritual vitality. This means facing into the very reasons, or some of the reasons that we struggle to pray habitually. And to start with, here are the three possible reasons or contenders. First, we lack motivation uh, because we don't know why we should pray. We are unaware of the benefits that we see when we pray. Secondly, we are frustrated because we know why we should pray, but we don't know how to pray. Yeah? You fall into any of those categories? Thirdly, we know why and we know how, but for some reason, we just don't pray regularly. The few aspects of Christian life can cause God's people more guilt than a lack of personal private prayer. Few disciplines in the Christian life are uh, as difficult as pray, private prayer. And you know what? If this struggle doesn't just exist for immature young people who come into faith, surprisingly, it does affect people who have been in church, being Christian for so long. You know, if you think that people are just like, you know, all the prayers only for those for the expert. They want you to listen to these testimonies or even some great Christian who said that prayer is difficult. Everything we do in Christian life is easier than prayer. Many of us know Martin Lloyd-Jones, a well-known preacher and theologian, a reformer in the 17th century. Alexander White, the Scottish theologian preacher, he said, there is nothing that we are so bad at all in our days as prayer Thomas Serpent, the soul-melting preacher in New England, he said, there are times in my life when I would rather die than pray. When I listen to them, wow, the thing societally about prayer, does it have to be intense? Well, you might not disagree with that, but this is the depth, the reality, the honesty. To go further, consider, consider these words from John Bunyan, an author, who those who are familiar with the Pilgrim's Progress, who's very godliness, you know, rich in knowledge, the scripture, powerful preacher, well known to many. He said, when I go to pray, I find it so reluctant to go to God. And when it is with him, so reluctant to stay with him, that many times I'm forcing my prayers, first to back God that he would take my heart and set it on himself, 
in Christ. And when it is there, that he would keep it there. In fact, many times I don't know what to pray for, know how to pray. I'm so ignorant. It is only by the grace of God. Folks, this is an astonishing, honestly, and truth and transparency. But how can he... And can anyone not relate to bunions? In fact, as a pastor, I actually wish more people, including myself, could relate to this struggle. Sadly, some people do not even go as far as that. Other Christian kids in what, into what might be called a prayer rut where they find it hard to get out of a prayerless pattern of life that they used to. Here's the reality, folks, my dear friends. Christians are praying, but they are doing it by, by themselves. Christians are praying, but they are doing it by themselves. According to Barna's research that you often hear it every now and then, 94% of American adults who have prayed at least once in the last three months do so by themselves. And the research, one of the researchers made this comment. Prayer is by far the most common spiritual practice among Americans, but people pray mostly alone. It is a solitary activity defined primarily by the immediate needs and concern of the individual. Corporate community prayer needs are less compelling drivers in people's prayer lives. But what would it look like to begin to broaden the scope of those prayer lives to consider the power of corporate prayer when more than one are gathered in his name. And what he was saying is when I read that, imagine what it's like when all come, when we are all, when we are all come together out of our bedroom, our daily walk, and the moments of prayer and the pattern wherever we are on our own, which is wonderful and great. Imagine when you bring them collectively together. Whether it's this whole room, or 50 people, or 5, 10 people, the difference it makes. Not sure if we in Australia are ahead or behind, or the same with American churches, but in the American church, according to Barner, it is functionally prayerless when it comes to corporate and community prayer. The prayer meeting is almost like dead. Midweek night meeting prayer doesn't exist. Now, for many, the prayer meeting itself is out of date, as if the church praying together has been a palace with the change of time. And while there are many reasons why that is so, Paul Miller, E. Miller, who wrote The Praying Church, Becoming a People of Hope in a Discouraging World, he argues that secularism killed the ability of the church to come together and pray, or prayer meeting. And he went on to say that we are busy and often wealthy people. We know that. We didn't reach our career goals and attain the comforts, the comforts that we enjoy by sitting around. And yet praying together seems like sitting around. We can be so intent on building and producing that we don't pause to reflect on what are we building in our lives, in our families, in our church. Behind our business and wealth is a philosophy called secularism, which doesn't just deny God's existence, but deny any spiritual 
um, a spiritual existence in the world. And this is strange because in every culture in the history of human, humanity, it has openly acknowledged the spiritual world. And I know that to be true in Tonga. Very true. You ignore God or the gods at your own peril. And given this history, it would be normal for every you know, news program or public event or school assembly or parliament house to open with a prayer of thanksgiving. We don't do that, of course, because secularism defines normal for us. And talking openly about God and to God, it seems feel odd. That is, if you doubt something, you don't think it works, just don't do it. That's secularism. It's no coincidence that the prayer meeting and its decline simultaneously with the rise of secularism could seize the spiritual world as a mere illusion. That is, it's only true for you, but it's not for everyone else. And that comes from the 18th century Enlightenment period led by Immanuel Kant, who is a German philosopher and an Enlightenment leading thinker and also a church goer, whom he called prayer a substitious delusion that God has no need to hear and that therefore accomplishes nothing. God's God is distant and non-personal. Ignoring God is far more effective than denying his existence. If you ignore him, he disappears. According to Miller, secularism remained confined largely to our universities and our elites until the rise of mass media, radio, TV, in the 20th, 20th century. And they seem to endlessly portray a world without God and without meaning. It created a new normal. Modern agnostic, you probably come across it from time to time, are not just unsure of God's existence, they no longer care. God is a non-issue. As one young man who walked away said, what difference does it make that I need to pray? Folks, what is the future and faith and prayers in our children if we don't model Prayer they were lost. We may unconsciously aware that our excuse for busy life, for working long, for being tired, and other reason, we may not be aware that our impact by the philosophy of secularism and not knowing that we are distant from God. We can easily default with the teaching of Jesus to be alone with God in the room, wherever, but as, as the research shows, the church becomes a cluster of free eyes that is independent, isolated, individual. And I'm not saying that whenever we meet on a Sunday morning, we should all pray together. No, we don't have to. We do it anyway. It's where two or three are gathered that we, that we are taught in the Lord's Prayer, you know, Jesus did not teach an individual prayer, even though he said to do it alone. He was more emphasized by using a we and ours, it is a community together praying. Collectively, two or three are gathered in my name. And yet we don't have the time. Miller went on to say that when we relegate prayer, the world of feelings, prayer becomes mere therapy, just therapeutic. 
Good feeling. If it's simply the world of feelings, then praying together feels awkward. When you talk with someone about the singing reality show, typically your conversation feels fine, fluid. You share common interests, the language, and knowledge, and enjoy watching the show. Let's say the voice and barracking for your favorite singer. You both know that singing is real and that they exist. But what if someone like me who have been there at the show, at the back and, and listening and watching what's happening behind the scene at this show, you know, how it's dictated and all of that, what if I say to you that the show is a fake? The singing and all of that, and all this we see on TV is a fake. You know, and after all, you've heard this nonstop year after year, it will get into your blood, into your nerve, and you stop watching it. When we combine a prayerless church, a Christian with a prayerless culture, it creates this feeling world where God feels exalted but distant. Then when hardship comes, God feels impotent and uncaring. Have you experienced that? This is especially true if you are prayed about something difficult and the heavens have been like a brass. Eventually, you don't feel anything about God, His mere not existent. Because our flat, two-dimensional world rules out prayer at the outset. Spontaneously praying with friends at mealtime doesn't have, does happen anymore. We've lost the fluidity of prayer you see in children. We'll hear sermons on prayer, listen to pastor prayer and begin meetings with prayer, but prayer seldom happens naturally in conversation. It just feels too religious. There's one reason why it's a delight to fellowship with the tongue. And if you can excuse me, I just want to share that. I know that other cultures like the Africans and the Asians who are largely unaffected by the 18th century enlightenment. For example, for years in, in Tonga, the typical Tongan Wesleyan church have been, had weekly all-night prayer meetings and still happening right now. Following every sermon on Sunday, people are invited to respond. And the whole room are filled with people just pray quietly. But think of a room that little quiet prayer put together is like a cheering crowd. It's like the Pentecost day. And this is just a Methodist church. It's not an AOG. But the experience of these people. We lack motivation because we don't know why we should pray or we are unaware of the benefits. We are frustrated because we know we should pray, but we don't pray. Don't know how. We know why and how, but for some reason we just don't pray regularly. So if you are this far in your journey, you know, prayer life and number one and two are no longer relevant to you, you are ahead of that, you know why you should pray, you know how, but I think number three seems to be a big concern. We struggle to make prayer a consistent routine in our lives. I want to suggest the three Ds that build your life, three key building blocks, the three Ds that help you building a prayer habit that will last. Firstly, desire. Secondly, discipline and delight. Firstly, use the desire of your heart to pray as a launch pad to make a start if you haven't really made that start. 
Um, you, you desire to know God. You desire to be obedient to God. You desire to receive from God. It has to be driven from desire. If you don't have the desire of your heart, then your habit will be just like my eating habit. I do a healthy meal, and then all of a sudden, it changed back because my desire for something changed. But the right desire for God, if you start with the desire, it is really hard to get out of it. Because the other desire will not take over the desire for God. Start a building habit with a right heart of desire. Secondly, build a habit of praying by making the discipline. I know there are some people who don't really like the term because they say we live under, by, under the grace of God, not the Lord. You know, this is... It's important for us to understand that freedom is found in the structure of life-giving routines. We see that throughout the Scripture, and we see that throughout the lives of many people. The habits reduce question and anxiety by making our time with God a regular habit. Peter and John were going up to the temple, the hour of a prayer. There was a regular point in time and place when they meet with God. And thirdly, when you found yourself with the desire and the ongoing discipline, why don't you build some delightful in the heart? You know, God, Psalm speaks of God delightful in his people, the right desire. When we pray, it's a privilege, it's a pleasure, we find that delight, the joy of praying. When we pray, just for the sake of ticking the task that I've done that prayer so many times, we'll end up giving up because we're tired and it's too hard for us to do so. Here's what I want to say in closing, loud and clear, in closing. You might be listening to this today and you find yourself in a rut, developing bad habit and kind of drifted away. And what you need is a fresh awakening to get your prayer lives back on track. The scripture is clear that pray without ceasing and to be praying at all times. Pray daily, often alone in secret as Christ has taught. But also together with other believers, for your family, for your friends, your life group ministry. If you haven't been a part of a group, it's a wonderful prayer to do the We Together prayer. And collectively as a church, Starting on Wednesday, the 15th of March, we'll be launching a monthly community prayer here at church. We're praying that we can all be there, whoever's available. Pray together as a family of God. The Bible says much about prayer, but why is this? I just want to say this, that we should not consider prayer as a mere religious performance, asking how often do I have to do it. Instead, According to Thomas Menton, an English Puritan clergyman said, Prayer is the conversation of a loving soul with God. An act of friendship and communion must not be rare and infrequent, but constant and often. And he wrote, If we have a love to God, we cannot keep long out of the company. We'll always run to it, but we'll be with him, pouring our hearts to him. So how can we reignite our prayer lives in a way to bring back the consistency that we all desire in spite of the business and struggle here on earth? When you build those three Ds in your prayer life, this is what happens. 
Start every day with God. Spend every day with God. And close the day with God. Is that hard to do? We started off the fact that prayer is easy. I think it's important for us to acknowledge the reality of prayer that is challenged, it is hard, it can be difficult. Maybe it happened other places, maybe not here. When I talk about church, I'm talking about the global church, universal church that we are part of as Christian church. Perhaps in Werribee Baptist, we're well ahead. And when encouraging, we know we pray a lot from here. But what if we collectively come together? Because when God's people pray, something happens. What then is the solution to our lack of prayer? It's this pray. That's all. There are other things that we can do to help fix the inadequacy of our prayer, but through the simple routine of having the desire, the discipline, the delight in what we pray. Begin the day with God, communing with Him for the day, throughout the day, and remember Him before sleeping. Habitual prayer tends to rise to habitual prayer. As our dependence on our desire and our desire for communion with our Father grows, the more we bring ourselves into His presence. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we are thankful for teaching us this morning. We pray that every heart and soul here will receive from you. That we will leave this place with such a joy, with a convincing truth in our heart to be able to rejoice and know God as we, as we leave from here. We are excited. We have that desire that continue to build in our lives. We'll build it as a discipline and prayer will become a pleasure and a privilege so that we can spend time with you, we can start the day with you, spend the whole day with you wherever we are, whether we are interrupted by the circumstances that lead us to fall on our knees and pray at work or while we're walking or wherever. But before we finish the day, Lord, thank you being with me throughout this day take whatever burden it is in my heart and help me to rest throughout the night so that when I wake up in the morning I say good morning Lord <laughs> this is going to be a great day send me so thank you Lord Jesus for your teaching thank you for your blessing in your church in the name of Jesus we pray Amen mm-hmm.